You're listening to Abroad, where we celebrate the diversity and humility of immigration through storytelling. I'm your host, Michelle. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Abroad. Thank you for listening, you beautiful beings. And this is our third episode, which is pretty special for me. Three is my lucky number. And today we're talking to the beautiful and mystical Juliana Sanfelici, who is in Idlewild, California, and is originally from Brazil. And we discuss uh, multiculturalism, um, her journey moving from Brazil to the States, to London, to Hawaii, um, and just really the perspective of what it is to build community as an immigrant. Um, Lots of really great stories in there. So yeah, enjoy. And if you enjoy this, please give it a review on iTunes. I would love your feedback and feel free to get in touch on Instagram. I'm at African Sunrise. Sending you all lots of love in this transitional time. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Abroad. And today we have Juliana, and I'll have you pronounce your last name. San Felici. San Felici. <laughs> Thank you, because it's um, almost 10 in the morning, but clearly my brain's not awake yet. So San Felici, welcome. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I would love to hear about your home country. Oh, okay. Well, I'm from Brazil. I've been in the United States since, on and off, since 2005. And yeah, I mean, I love, I love Brazil. It will always be home for me. But, you know, I came to United States in search of more opportunity and also, you know, trying to get away a little bit of away from the struggles of a developing country and, you know, the violence and things like that. But I love Brazil. I love the culture, the weather, and I miss it very much. Anything Mm. specific that you would like to know? Yeah. Can you tell me a bit about the city or town that you're from? So I'm from a very small town called São Leopoldo. It's near Porto Alegre, is the bigger city, and it's in the very, very south of Brazil. We are closer to, say, Argentina and Uruguay, and the culture there is a little bit different from as you go, like, a little bit north. And I guess it's because that region of Brazil is called the the gauchuk culture is what the south of brazil uruguay argentina and chile are about and it's just it has a little bit more spanish influence and the weather is a little bit different too it's just a little bit less warm in in that southern region of south america and just a beautiful um culture that appreciates a lot like horses and we drink mate and there's a lot of agriculture and cattle breeding it's 
funny that I'm a vegetarian because people eat a <laughs> lot of meat in the south of Brazil. <laughs> and, you know, my family bred cattle and all of that. It's a very, it's kind of like a country culture and I, mm. I really appreciate it. Mm, that's lovely. I can relate to you um, being South African. South Africans eat a lot of meat, but I'm vegetarian yeah. <laughs> mostly as well. I, I'm, uh, I eat a little bit of fish sometimes, but I don't eat any red meat. And it's such a big part of the culture. And it's just such a funny thing. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, especially if I go home, they're like, well, what do you eat if you don't eat meat? Exactly. People yeah, are crazy. very puzzled by it. Everything is an excuse to kill a cow um, and celebrate. But, you know, even though I'm vegetarian and I don't participate in that aspect of the culture, I do, I love, you know, everything else about it. And also the mix, the mixed cultures, Brazil is very large country and has very different different cultures you know the south of brazil was colonized mostly by germans and italians um my ancestors in the side of my father are italian that's why you know my last name san felici would be the pronunciation in italian but also as you go a little bit north you get a lot more african influence and you know my mother is from another state further north and her whole family is still there and i relate a lot to their culture as well and it's just beautiful mix of races and cultures and music. And I really appreciate that, you know, that melting pot. Mm, yeah, lots of diversity, right? Exactly. It's very, very diverse. Mm. And so did you grow up speaking Spanish and Portuguese? So in Brazil, we speak Portuguese, mm -hmm. but because that southern region is so close to Spanish-speaking countries like Uruguay and Argentina. And I grew up riding horses and we were constantly going like in that border region. Like I had a lot more contact with Spanish-speaking people and I had friends that were, you know, that spoke Spanish. So I, you know, you just, you have, I, we had a lot of contact with Spanish. I also took Spanish in school and then yeah, you just I learned I learned a lot of Spanish growing up, but I I think I started speaking more Spanish when I moved to United States to Miami where everyone speaks Spanish. <laughs> and then I kind of just was forced to, you know, practice more and then my Spanish got a lot better after I moved to United States. Yeah. Okay. So, how old were you when you moved to the US? I was 25. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And you moved to Miami? I moved to Miami first, yes. I had an opportunity to work for a company. I knew the owners, you know, from Brazil. I met I met Richard, the owner of Mia Shoes back then at the company where I used to work for. And he offered me a wonderful opportunity to come and work for his company in Miami. I came in with a temporary work visa and like many other immigrants, I overstayed my visa and, mm -hmm. you know, found a way to stay. <laughs> yes. But yeah, that was the first place where I landed. Miami has a big place in my heart. I love that town. Mm, yeah, that sounds so special. I have yet to fully experience and explore Miami. And um, did you find any like similarities or how was, how was the adjustment? 
moving there from Brazil? Well, I think that I found I found great community in Miami. I I think that I felt very much at home in the sense that Miami is such a international city and there's a lot of people from all over Latin America. And if you speak Spanish and if you're willing, you know, to work hard and make friends, there's so much opportunity. There is so much opportunity. And I I think in Miami, I had a different vision of what being an immigrant is because over there, Latin people rule that town, you know, like there are Latin people that are successful and drive fancy cars and own beautiful homes. And you get the sense that even though you're coming from South America, you can be anything. You know, you look at all these people from different countries that have accomplished so much. And so that was really, really great. It gave me a lot of motivation and gave me that sense that if I worked hard, I could be anything, I could do anything. And now that I live in California, it's a little bit different because all the Latin people in California are the help. And there's, I feel like there's a lot more discrimination here mm-hmm. where luckily, you know, when we moved here, I had already established myself and had already, you know, kind of made a life for myself. But I think that coming here as an immigrant, when you don't have anything, it's a little bit harder because like I said, in California, most, most Latin people are the help mm-hmm. and they're seen that way. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily seen as um, on on the same level, but rather as, yeah. as the support. And yeah, mm-hmm. I do. At least that's my perception. You know, mm-hmm. I think that in California, Latin people are seen a little bit more as like second class citizens, whereas in Miami, you are not. In Miami, I feel you know because mm-hmm. there's such a, a bigger culture there of it is a big spanish yeah yeah absolutely yeah i feel like um i i've always said that i would love for um every african-american to go to africa because there it's you know your majority and there's so much empowerment and it's it's just incredible to see and i i think that here in a similar way i can relate that experience to just observing um observing the culture and seeing discrimination right kind of watching or feeling the different levels of empowerment and energy amongst the people and the community it's a lot more separated here mhm yeah i think that there's power in community, but there's also, I don't know if it's a level of uh, self-esteem or pride, you know, that I think I really, really loved that when I was in Miami, that everyone that was there from different countries in Latin America, but yet, you know, there was that pride of being 
of having that Latin blood. And I, I am proud of my heritage. You know, I'm not gonna, mm-hmm. not gonna hide. Mm-hmm. You should be. Yeah. So, um, you were in London prior for studies, weren't you? Right. So after living in Miami, I lived in Hawaii for like three years. Mm-hmm. And then after Hawaii, I went back to Miami for just a short period of time where I met my now husband. And when we met, um, we decided to go to London because he had gone to school in London and I was looking to go back to school and do my master's. Mm-hmm. And so he suggested kind of like light in a lighthearted way. So oh, you should you should try, you know, the London College of Fashion. It's a great school and you would love living in London. I said, okay, but if I get in, I'll apply. But if I get in, then then you're gonna come with me. And he's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I got in and we went. <laughs> the rest Amazing. is history. Yeah, we Amazing. lived there for two years. Okay. And how was your experience in London? Oh, it was fantastic. Oh my God. I have so much love for London and England. And it was a fabulous time of our life. It's such a creative, creative city. I have never experienced that again. I feel like the creative community in London is, is amazing. Mm -hmm. And there's so much art and culture that's accessible and I I miss that <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely to me London is like this central hub it um, is. you know and it's it's really in the middle of so much in the world so the amount of diversity there and just yeah. that would and be the history and the history as well yeah there's so much history there's so much history and I I really felt like I was living in a movie Mm-hmm. the whole time and like I said what I miss the most about London is how vibrant it is and the culture and the arts it's really like to be able to meet people that are doing such interesting thing the things the creative community there is really vibrant and active and and wonderful Mm, it sounds like a perfect place to go to fashion school or design it school. is it really is it yeah. really pushed me hard to you know be better and and grow mm, and just I'm sure making connections there was was fabulous too because it really was yeah after London we moved to New York oh wow amazing yeah New York was hard, I have to say. Mm. It's it's way colder than London. I thought I didn't realize it was gonna be so cold. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, New York was hard for, for me. Uh, I don't, we only lived there for one year. When the second winter came around, I was like, I don't think I can do this again. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. I feel like if you don't grow up in that amount of snow and that amount of cold, it can be really hard to adjust. And England's a little different, right? Because you have the rain and the clouds, but it's not that extreme cold. It's not nearly as cold. And I feel like I was expecting it to be a big city, kind of London, like London. 
but it wasn't it was mm-hmm. I, new york is a little bit more of a struggle you know mm-hmm. to just to go to the store and you know get a cab in the winter time is just so hard and it just wasn't for me i love new york i miss it i miss mm-hmm. many things about it but i i don't think it's a place where i can live it was mm-hmm. just it was just too cold yeah not a very like supportive place Oh, not for me. I think <clears throat> I think a lot of people grow and blossom there. And I, I learned so much. I I learned a lot and I grew a lot professionally, mm-hmm. but it was just not a quality of life for me that yeah, we had I had to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely understand that. Um and then how was Hawaii? Hawaii is wonderful. I mm-hmm. love I love Hawaii and I lived there for a little bit short of three years. And I have such a deep love for those islands. And luckily now I work for a Hawaiian company. It's a, a Hawaiian footwear company called Olukai. And mm-hmm. so I still have that deep connection with, with the Hawaiian culture and the islands. And I get to go there for work all the time. So That's amazing. <laughs> I'm very, I feel very fortunate. Yeah, and probably going, so you went from New York, then... New York, we came to LA. To LA, okay. And yeah. then to Hawaii after that? No, no, I, w- I lived in Hawaii prior. So oh, it yes. was Miami, Hawaii, Hawaii, then back to Miami, London, London. New York, and then LA. LA. Yes. Okay. So now I'm very curious. What do you think about LA in comparison to New York and London? <laughs> I'm no, very curious. I, you have so much experience. Okay, so growing up, I've always I had always dreamed of living in California because mm-hmm. you know I listened to Sublime and mm-hmm. the Long Beach, the both stars, and mm-hmm. wow, California is like that dream place. Um, the surf culture and the beach and I don't know it had this allure to me and so it was definitely you know in my bucket list to live in California for some time and I loved it we arrived here we we moved to Venice Beach which was like your (laughs) you know your Southern California postcard and mm-hmm. I I can only speak for myself I really loved the lifestyle and everything about it then you know LA is a huge city and there's its pros and cons I would say my experience has largely been, been positive mm-hmm. but after a while you know then having a baby and kind mm-hmm. of looking for something different we decided to move to the mountains and now we live in Idlewild which is in the San Jacinto mountains just three hours outside of LA we're like a two hours out of San Diego and it's really wonderful you can't believe you're in Southern California here we're in the mountains where it snows in the, the winter and it's warm in the summer we have four beautiful seasons and it's different and really, really great. Mm-hmm. What a spectacular place. And you're close enough to the desert and kind of close enough to city if you really want to be there. And yeah. 
Um, so you have a beautiful little girl that I had the honor of meeting <laughs> when I met you in Idlewild, Antonia. Can you um, tell us a bit about the languages that she speaks and how you teach it? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, so our house is a very international household. My husband was born in Germany when he was six years old. Uh, they moved to Mexico. So he was raised in Mexico. And I'm from Brazil, obviously. So we we wanted Antonia to grow up speaking at least, you know, two or three different languages. So Marcus speaks with her in Spanish only. I speak with her only in Portuguese. And then she learned she learned English in school. So right now that's what we're we we do want her to learn German at some mm -hmm. point also, but you know, they say that if you're teaching a young child a new language, one person should only speak to that child in that one language so that they don't get it confused. Mm -hmm. So we just, you know, we picked we picked one language and, and that's what we're doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's amazing. That's absolutely incredible. I just think being, you know, bilingual or trilingual, language really um to me opens doors and it really does yeah if you meet someone and you can even say just two words in their language and acknowledge their culture people open up you know it goes it, a long way it, it really does. does yeah and it helps true. you understand the world and i think it's very creative as well because words can be placed in different ways and in language different languages, there are certain words that you, you could describe, let's just say in English, but there's one word for it in these other languages. And I think there's so much, um, you know, just culture and story that is passed on. It's so true. I think that's amazing. And I think that um, we live, the world is so crazy right now. Mm. And just having the opportunity to be a world citizen and being able to go to different places and, and, you know, be able to communicate and fit in is really a gift. Mm -hmm. So um, we we're just glad that we've been able to give that to her. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you grew up in a, in a different culture with exposure to different things and had that in life. And I think, you know, we see how much that can benefit who we are. And I think as immigrants, that's a big advantage as well to relating to the world because we've had to adapt to different cultures and kind of move around. And so, um, you know, you kind of adapt what you're saying and how you're, um, how you're relating to people just depending on who they are. So to me, that's a superpower that we get from, from moving around and learning different languages and different cultures. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I look at her, she's little and, you know, she's so happy and having the opportunity to grow up in the United States. It's like, I know, you know, the U.S. has a lot of problems and I'm, you know, I'm not like closing my eyes to the dark side of it, but like I worked so hard for her to be able to, you know, to move here and be able to give my children um, a more opportunity. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things that when I was back home and so much violence and I could never fathom the thought of having a family there because I was like, how do my parents do it? Like laying in bed awake, waiting, you know, for my kids to come home. It's just like after, mm-hmm. after you lose friends to gun violence and I've myself been a, vic- a victim of violence mm-hmm. back home just like I appreciate the safety, you know, and knowing that my child is, is just pretty safe and have all these opportunities of growing up in, you know, in the first world. Yeah, it, it makes a really big difference. South Africa also has a lot of crime and yeah, it's beautiful. You know, there's so much art and diversity and it's wonderful. But if you're raising a family, it it's scary, you know, because you have to be so careful and you have to take all these extra precautions all the time and kind of worry. There's like this extra stress. Um, And I honestly, I mean, I was raised there and and you get used to the lifestyle, but after moving here and seeing just the level of safety, I mean, we live over there with our walls around our houses and electric fencing on top of those walls alarm (laughs) systems in the home and bars on the windows it's like and then moving here I was like oh wait why you don't have walls around your homes like you don't have to set an alarm every night and have it feels so good yeah it does (laughs) it It does you know you get desensitized to it you just like Mm -hmm you get a little bit hardened and you just, it's part of your life Mm -hmm. taking those precautions. And, you know, when somebody, you know, has been, you know, a victim of violence, you just like, it hurts, but you're, you're just, you get a little bit desensitized and yeah, I really, I really love being in a place where I'm not worried about, that to that level and love sleeping with my window open and Mm -hmm. walking my kid to school and it's just that's I think that's the main reason why I wanted to come here you know Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and I think it's something that um you know you only fully appreciate if you come from something else because you know I I feel like a lot of people who were who were raised here who they don't necessarily know any difference oh they have no idea they have no, they have idea. no idea like you don't know how it feels to like go down like in south africa if you're driving in johannesburg let's just say even cape town you have to put all your stuff in in your trunk which we call the boots but everything the boots <laughs> you can't have anything in your lap you put your cell phone under your thigh while you're driving so no one can see it just in case yes, someone decides to like <laughs> throw a brick through your window and try and grab it it's like it's a little so all these extra things that you're thinking about but I will say that I have a lot of gratitude for that because I've always been very street smart and so I was able to be independent um at a very young age yeah because I had those yeah because you're you're not sheltered you've been exposed to a lot more things Mm mm-hmm yeah, but it's definitely something for our non-immigrants 
appreciate your safety. Yeah. And, you know, even having, I know that there's corruption everywhere, but um, South African police force are so corrupt. They're, I don't even know if oh. they're really on your side. There's just, you're bribing people if you get a speeding ticket. All, all the kinds time. Of stuff. Yeah. Is yeah. it that way in, in Brazil as well? Oh, the police, so corrupt. Everything. Corruption is so deeply embedded in in everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's corruption everywhere. But I think that yes. unfortunately, the corruption in those developing countries, I think, is what's holding both Brazil and South Africa back. Because mm-hmm. when you look, and I can speak only to you know, Latin America is the reality I I know more. But when you look at all these beautiful countries in South America that have so much natural resources and Mm -hmm. people that are so smart and hardworking, it's really the politics and the corruption that's holding back Brazil and and those countries from flourishing and, and advancing. Absolutely. I really do feel the same way about South Africa. Um, And I think if that corruption wasn't there, and I think there's definitely an element of greed as well. I mean, everywhere there's a lot of greed, but um, in terms of money, putting more money into education and, you know, there's, there's a lot, but but these countries are so beautiful and do have so many natural resources and, just gorgeous. It's just so gorgeous. Yeah. So absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate, but you know, there's been such a, a shakeup in the world this last year. And I'm curious Mm -hmm. to see how that's going to turn out, um, you know, for developing countries, because usually how this things go is that, you know, the, the weaker gets hit harder. So mm-hmm. yeah. I know Brazil is going through a really hard time now with the pandemic and there's a lot of political tension and I just, I feel for my family down there. It's been really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think also with um, lack of tourism, a lot of these countries are really relying on tourists. Yeah. Um. And oh, that's a big part of their income and the economy. So, yeah, it's it's rough, you know. And and we send them love, and there there's always a transformation at the end of the tunnel. But it's this last year and a half has been really hard, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm going to dial it back a little bit here and um, I'd love to hear, <laughs> I would love to hear about a tradition um, from Brazil, something that your family did that is a nostalgic memory to you. Oh, that's going to have to be the traditional shimahão, our mate. I miss it so much because it's a big part of our culture and it's something that young people, old people, everyone does, everyone shares all the time, everywhere you go. And I, my mom brings me kilos of mate every time she comes, but it's not the same because I think that if you're not familiar with it, the mate is when you drink 
you drink the mate tea in this round gourd and it has the metal straw and it has all these particularities about how you drink it and how you make it. And the whole thing is that you drink it and when you finish, you pass to the next person. You serve more water and then you pass to the next person and then that person will drink it. They'll pour more water in and they'll give it to the next person. And so it goes around the one guard with the one straw, it goes around and it, we drink that all day. We bring it everywhere we go. And it's just a great excuse, you know, to go to someone's house. Hey, do you want to come over and have some mate? It's the first thing you offer when someone comes over. Mm-hmm. And I miss it so much. And, mm-hmm. you know, everyone thinks it's weird when I offer them in America. And people are like, wait, I'm going to drink from the same straw as you. Like, nobody wants to do it. Everyone thinks <laughs> it's weird. So I, I drink it, but it's still not the same because I miss the community aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love that. I had no idea. Like, I love mate and I get loose leaf and I, I use the metal straw. Um but I had no idea that there was a tradition where you, you passed along. Yeah, so the first person. Become, yeah, it's become kind of trendy in the United States, but nobody does it right. Yeah, <laughs> nobody actually knows the traditional way of drinking it and passing it around. No. I absolutely love that. It actually, so next time you come to town, yes. I will bring you a good old traditional mate and you'll drink with me. Oh my goodness. I would love that so much. I would love that. It's really fun how like every culture has their little thing. Like, you know, in England, it's tea. Do you want yeah. tea? Let's have tea. In I South do love Africa, tea also. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I love mate though. I would definitely take mate and, and share it and just be in it. Um, yeah, I love that sharing aspect. I feel like in my mind, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Latin cultures and and like the Brazilian cultures, very very warm and and loving, and you know, give me a hug, give me a kiss on the cheek, like very three kisses, three kisses. Southern Brazil, you greet someone with three kisses. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's wonderful. Isn't that funny? It's so lovely. I'm very much like. A physical touch person I just love hugs and I think it's because I grew up with it like everyone hugs each other and gives each other a kiss but um but I definitely think of Brazilian culture is like embrace and in yeah. Spanish culture too actually when I was in Spain it was the same way you, you hug and kiss yeah that is definitely something that like shaking hands is not something very very common you shake hands like in the professional setting Mm -hmm. but when you meet someone you you always you know give three kisses and here is definitely different another thing that is different here is that you know in, in in brazil you go to people's houses a lot more and everyone invites you to their home and I think in the United States, that culture is not, you know, people don't, or don't invite you to their house as much. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, so that was... to meet somewhere else. Yeah, everyone wants to meet somewhere. Whereas, you know, over there, I feel like 
your home is open and people visit each other a lot more and Mm -hmm. I think that's a beautiful thing I think so too I think so too that's a big part of South African culture as well just the doors are open come and visit me and and I'll come visit you and I think that there's a there's a joy in hosting there is there's a joy in hosting there's also a lot more sharing and I think that Mm -hmm. comes a little bit from cultures where people struggle are more people are also more supportive of each other Mm -hmm. I think that yeah I think that that's that is true that Mm -hmm. when you when it's hard for everybody people are people tend to to be more more giving and more supportive of each other because you, you you know alone you don't go far you need each other. Yeah. You need each other. And I think I'm very much a community person. A community means a lot to me. And I think that um, it, it just makes such a difference. It, we're in it together. We're in this life experience together, you know, and yeah. just sharing an experience and sharing what we have and giving. And um, to me, I find so much so much joy in that and I will say that uh, my experience in the States I've had some great experiences of community and sharing but also not where there's a lot of separation and people are just kind of doing their own thing and they they would rather um, keep to themselves and it's more like they're kind of protective over what they have rather than um, seeing that it's just like it's not as much of a common joy to to share in community and that's not everywhere you know i've definitely found these like pods of of amazing people who do that but uh it's interesting to see these like common things in culture yeah i also think that you know the bigger the city the less open people are in that regard because you're just you know, you're in New York, you're on a mission, you know, you're, you're in London, you're, you know, you're busy, you're, it's just the bigger the city, I think the less, um, the harder, I guess, to get to, to find community in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the best um, times for me as far as community is when I spent three months in Maui last year. And I found this oh. incredible group and it's actually like a small little town and um, everyone was so, so inviting and loving and we would all be at each other's houses and take turns to host. Yeah. And after that experience, I realized this is something I want always. So then if it's not where you are, like, how can you create it for other people? That's, right? That is something that I have found is that you know, maybe people are not very open and nobody is like inviting each other to their houses. But if you start, people will follow. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a wonderful thing to have community. Who doesn't love having that that's that that feeling of um sharing and exchanging and and relying on each other? So I feel like once someone starts opening their door, more people will do the same. 
Mm-hmm. And I have experienced that in Hawaii also. I think that um, Hawaiian culture, even though it has been so abused and oppressed, I feel like the, the Hawaiian culture has, you know, it's been flourishing more and more lately. And they have this very deep sense of community and sharing and the spirit of aloha and taking care of you know malama is to take care and they take care of each other and the land and the ocean and we have so much to learn from from hawaiian culture and when you're there and you experience that beautiful aspect of it is just really it warms your heart it's really transformational because in my mind people are thinking of what can I give back to the people what can I bring not just what can I take for my own comfort and my own needs but what am I actually giving and bringing and how am I showing up in the world and in community exactly Mm -hmm. and I yes go ahead (laughs) I was saying that I think that especially after this pandemic, people have a renewed sense of connection with nature and with each other. And there's a new appreciation for community. So I really think that if there's a silver lining to all of this, you know, it's that people are just wanting to connect more and trying to really like understand that there's more to life than your everyday hustle and the traffic jams and you know your hustle for work and all of that I think now people really have had a wake-up call yeah absolutely I think people are thinking about like what is actually important to me yeah and Um, I was just in LA last week, apartment sitting for a friend, and I feel this renewed um, sense of uh, aliveness there. People are really excited to be in community and to have all these different experiences again, and to be, you know, making connections and talking to different people. And um, yeah, it's definitely been a reset for, for a lot of people. And I think it that pause was actually needed because the world was moving very fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. Um, See, there's a silver lining for everything. <laughs> yeah, there is. There is. It's true. Well, I just have to say I'm so um, impressed by you and your ability to just say, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to move there and I'm going to move there and I'm going to study that and I'm going to move there. Like, because not, not everyone can do that. You know, um, a lot of people don't really want to move from, from where they feel comfortable and other people moving is comfort to them. Like I feel that way. I want to keep discovering and learning and, um, but I'm, I'm just so impressed by your story and your willingness to just go for it and create the life of your, you know, of your dreams, everything that you want um and everything that you desire that's it's really special that's very sweet of you to say it hasn't been easy but you know it sounds I guess easier than 
than it felt at the time. But, you know, with every struggle, there is um, a reward. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that you you have to create the life that you want. So yeah absolutely yeah of course um and so you're a designer for it's alukai alukai yeah it's a footwear brand alukai so you design for them yeah i designed the women's shoes it's a wonderful company i love i love working there that's wonderful and you're also a marvelous incredible yoga teacher it's one of your classes (laughs) in idlewilds thank you yeah i it's my it's my passion my passion Mm -hmm. you know side thing to teach yoga yeah excuse me oh no worries i absolutely loved your class and you're getting into um sound healing as well yeah a little bit i really love i've recently started playing the bowls and getting into sound healing and as part of my yoga journey and it's been wonderful um so I have uh last couple questions here I'd love to hear a song a favorite song that our listeners can look up something that you listen to growing up in Brazil or it could just be a musician that you really love oh wow okay I love Brazilian music it warms my heart and lifts my spirit every single time and I think that I'll pick Georgie Bain is um, one of my favorite musicians. And also Gilberto Gil is another one. If there's one song that I have to pick, it would be Meu Xodó from Gilberto Gil. You can put that on your show notes because I don't think anyone's going to know how to spell that. (laughs) But yeah, those are two musicians that I truly love and they lift my spirits every time I need it. I love Gilberto Gil. I had the opportunity of working with him once um, oh. in San Francisco. I used to work at a world music nonprofit and it was mm-hmm. Quintana Veloso and Gilberto Gil. Oh, right. Two and, legends. Oh, just so amazing. They're so I have humble. goosebumps right now. I've seen <laughs> them both in concert and they, yeah, those are giants. They are giants of the brazilian music yeah they feel like fathers of brazilian music like they just sing these sweet songs and um yeah i absolutely adore them so i'm so happy you mentioned Gilberto Gil, and i will definitely put that song in the show notes awesome Wonderful. so um where can our listeners find you if they want to get in touch oh uh, oh okay i'm on instagram ju underscore sanfelici and I think that's the only social media I have. <laughs> okay, great. And I'll definitely put that in the show notes. Um, and can you teach us um, a word in Portuguese that you love? Uh, sure. I think this is a little bit of a little bit of a cliche because it's in most Brazilian songs, but the word saudade really doesn't have a translation. And you know how in the beginning we're talking about how sometimes you can describe something in English, but you can't really find the word for it. Mm-hmm. And saudade is something that means kind of like nostalgia, but it's different because it comes, it's very deep in your heart, something that you miss, 
but in a it has a positive aspect of it and it's just when you say that you feel saudade it means that it comes with a little bit of love too you know mm, i love that i feel like i've needed a word like that in my life to be honest yeah. so that's the perfect word for when you say you know I feel saudade of my friends and my family in Brazil, even though I'm very happy here. You know, it's not a bad thing, but I feel deep, deep saudade from everybody. Mm -hmm. mm. Thank you. Obrigada. <laughs> Obrigada você. <laughs> um, thank you so much for your time and for being on here. Thank you for having me. I really me. appreciate it. And, and I appreciate you and your podcast. I think it's wonderful to, you know, talk about the our differences because it's, you know, this is what makes the United States such a wonderful country is that we bring all these cultures and we bring all these, you know, different, different aspects and different uh, knowledge and our differences is what, um, you know, make us more rich. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we should be celebrating that and learning from each <laughs> other always. That's so right. Thanks for being a part of that on here. All right. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks so much for tuning in. You've been listening to Abroad the Podcast where we are celebrating the diversity and humility of immigration through storytelling. Maybe you know someone who has a great story. Feel free to get in touch. My Instagram handle is African with a K underscore sunrise. Please subscribe and comment. Illustration is by Tanya Feydan and music for the intro and outro is by Tahu Music. And you can find out more information about their work if you look below in the show notes. Thanks so much, friends. Take care and stay curious.